six to, I thought it was Monday, but it's six to day. Uh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. Now also a weekly segment on Slam Radio's Miami Herald Sports Hour on Sirius XM. I'm Jordan McPherson, and as you just heard Marlins manager Don Mattingly say, Monday, indeed, finally, was Sixto Day in spring training. Sixto Sanchez, the club's top prospect and a consensus top 25 prospect in all of baseball, made his spring debut at the ballpark in the Palm Beaches against the Houston Astros. And he looked pretty good, all things considered. I mean, it was his first start after, since the playoff run back in October, and even after a few setbacks during camp that we'll talk about in a little bit, he threw 31 pitches over one and two-third innings. 21 of those 31 were for strikes. That four-seam fastball, it hit 100 about a handful of times based off of the stadium's radar gun. His sinker, which his two-seam fastball, was between 96 and 97 miles an hour the few times he threw it. His changeup and slider both sat between 89 and 91 miles an hour. And... He faced a little bit of adversity early on. I mean, his first two at-bats, he only needed three pitches. uh, Jose Altuve from the Astros ambushed him on the first pitch for a ground ball single up the middle, but he quickly got Chaz McCormick to ground to a double play. And his next three at-bats, Carlos Correa taking him seven pitches before a hard-hit ground ball to Garrett Cooper ended the first. Kyle Tucker, uh, his his at-bat to open the second inning. 11 pitches, he fouled off just about everything that Sixto threw at him before finally getting a line drive single to center field. Uh, A walk to Yuli Gurriel after falling behind 3-0, getting two sinkers to land for cold strikes, and then just missing a pitch down to make the 4-2 for the walk. And then gets another double play on on a lead misker, Diaz, to end his time out there. But again, it's his first start. It's a positive to see that he was able to get out of there, throw about 30 pitches, and he looked considerably, he looked fine walking off the mound. He said to us after the fact that the Marlins are just being cautious with it being his first time, and as he continues to keep growing and keep getting his progression going, that he's going to be out there longer, and frankly, the Marlins need to see him out there longer when you consider what they have in store for him going into the 2021 season. At this point, it just with time running out in camp, Sixio has maybe two starts left, or has a chance to make two more starts this spring. Uh, he's lined up to go again Saturday, and then if he stays on the five-day routine, he'll get one last start on March 25th. Both of those games, of course, being against the Washington Nationals. And in a perfect scenario, the Marlins want him to be ready to throw five innings or between about 75 to 80 pitches by the time that opening day comes, or else they could very well keep him at the alternate training site in Jupiter for the first couple turns through the rotation, just to make sure that he is 100%. There is a risk-reward with that. Obviously, they're trying to figure out ways to keep him healthy and keep him ready and keep him pitching into September, even with the fact that they're going to have an innings limit on him. But in the same vein, the Marlins are going to want to get off to as hot of a start as possible, especially in this NL East. And if you have six on the sideline for the first two turns through the rotation, it's going to be interesting to see just how well everything starts churning. But regardless, he's trying to find a way to build off what he did last year. He made nine, nine starts in back in 2019 or back in 2020. Sorry about that. And we saw some good stuff from him. We saw some more, some areas where he needs to improve, primarily 
figuring out how to face teams the second and third time around. We saw the struggles he had against the Nationals the second time he faced them. And we saw the struggles he had against the Braves the second time he faced them in the regular season and that time he went against them in the playoffs. But overall, Sixto himself feels confident, even though he had two setbacks that made him wait until Monday to make his debut. He was delayed due to a visa issue, and he had a false positive COVID-19 test that set him back, had him basically waiting about two or three days, and then had to get built back up to a bullpen session and a live BP before getting out there on Monday. But with all that said, here's Sixto himself explaining how he felt after his outing on Monday with a big assist from Marlins Spanish media coordinator Louis Durante with the translation for Sixto Sanchez. Hey there, Sixto. Uh, I guess just first off, how did you feel out there and what were you ultimately trying to accomplish in your two innings out there today? Yeah, well, I felt very well, you know, for my first spring training game uh, in 2021. Um, and um, I was go- just going out there with the same plan as always, uh, first inning. Uh, I was missing my spot a few times, and uh, and, uh, and same thing happened again on the second one. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, I got mailed out of there to just uh, pull me out. Christina Nicola. Yeah, six. So just going off that, when Mel came out there, what what did they notice? I guess about how you were missing pitches. Is there a reason why, maybe? Hubo alguna razón que fue lo que te dijo Mel de por qué estaba fallando alguno de esos picheos. Um, no, like, uh, he didn't say anything or mention anything exactly to me. He just said he didn't want to like, push me too much because it was my first start. Um, and that probably uh, will be something similar for my next one, two or three innings. Jordan? Yeah, six. Uh, I've got a couple more here. Uh, first off, uh, Mel's mentioned to us last week that he wants you using your changeup more. Just can you speak to that pitch itself and why it's as successful as it is for you? Este, Mel nos habló de que, que, que quiere que tú uses un poquito más el cambio, mucho más a menudo. Este, hablando un poco de lo que es ese, ese picheo tuyo y, y el éxito que tienes con él. Yeah, it's, uh, we're working really hard on that pitch, and, and every time I'm, I'm throwing a pitch in the bullpen, uh, I'm constantly working on it. Uh, I know, and he knows, is the my my the pitch up I control the most besides the fastball. And, um, and I'm looking just to get out of jams when I have a runner on the basis uh, with that pitch. And then secondly, can you walk us through that little setback you had that I believe Donnie mentioned it was a false positive COVID case. Just, can you walk us through what it was like for you mentally and just, I guess, I'm not sure if frustration is the right word, but just what that meant as you knew, knowing that it was going to put you back a little bit? 
hablarnos un poquito, porque eh, eh, David nos comentó de, de que hubo ese, ese falso positivo, ¿entiendes? Y eso como que te, te puso un poquito lento en lo que es el proceso de sprint training, todo lo que va, eh, no sé si te sentiste frustrado, frustrado habla lo que te sentiste durante ese, esa, esa pasantía, ese momento. Tú sabes, en verdad no me sentí frustrado, lo único que un poco me sentí un poco mal porque, sabes, en ese, en ese tiempo iba a tirar la IBT. Entonces, al salir esta prueba así, falso negativo, me atrasé un poco. Me sentí un poco, sabes, incómodo porque ahí me atrasé. Bueno, uh, well, yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel frustrated, to be honest, but uh, it, was, it was a weird feeling, you know. I was, I was getting ready, uh, I was getting that momento. And, and I was also getting ready for a live EP exactly that week. And, and then that false positive came out. And uh, it kind of ruined this, that, that momentum. But, um, but you know, it's some, some, some other things that happened. Christina? Yeah, Sixto, uh, this was your first spring training game. How did that feel? I mean, you've pitched in the postseason. You've been in, you know, the playoff race. What was that like? ¿Cómo se sintió este juego de sprint training? Prácticamente el primer lanzamiento del juego que juega de sprint training. Ha lanzado en postemporada, ha lanzado en juegos regulares de, de, de grandes ligas, pero nunca había lanzado un juego de sprint training. Nunca, nunca había tirado un juego de sprint training. Es verdad que me sentí contento de tener su partido, de equipo. Y nada, y entré siempre con la misma gente bien alto, le da lo que Sí, fue, you know, a lot of fun, you know, sharing that. that that moment with the team and, and just having fun with all the guys out there on the field. Uh, it was something special, you know, another another memory. But uh, just to follow up, I mean, you face Jose Altuve, first pitch he's swinging for a hit. Does that kind of you get you ready for what's come, what's to come the rest of spring? Este, me lanzamiento de Altuve, te da seguida hacia todo el medio. Eso te pone así como listo para lo que es el sprint training, pues ya listo para, para lo que espera. Claro, me pongo listo porque ahí ya estoy viendo como que se están preparando, a lo que yo quiero duro, se están preparando para el ya para el próximo, para el próximo, para el próximo. Sí, you can see that, you know, he was ready, waiting for that fastball. Um, they know how to throw hard, and they're going to be waiting for that heat, and uh, so I need to find ways, you know, to, to work the, the count and work their ways ahead. Uh, last one in English, uh, Steve Warren. Hi, Sixto. Uh, with your decent problem at the start of camp and the false positive, how far behind do you feel like you are? Después del problema que tuviste con la visa y ese falso positivo, ¿qué tan retrasado tú sientes que está a lo mejor ahorita en el campamento? Como me dice el pichín, cuando sabes, no es que estoy muy atrasado, ¿sabes? Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm behind. And I, as I spoke with the, our, our pitching coach, I'm not that far behind. I'm, I'm pretty much there, same as everybody else. Uh, I just can't pitch as many innings as, as the other guys. And now here's Marlins pitching coach Mel Stoudemire Jr. explaining what their plan is with Sixto Sanchez heading into 2021 and also where he wants to see Sixto improve as he goes into his first full season of Major League Baseball. 
I think it's important they, they learn how to start and finish games. But we're going to have to be cognizant of a guy like Sixto Sanchez that throws a lot of strikes. And re- realistically, you could look up and this guy could have 80 pitches and going into the ninth inning. We're going to have to manage that. You know, we're going to have to answer questions from you guys as well. You know, when we, do, we go pull him out so that we can plan for him uh, pitching a full season. I don't want to get down to the end. And, you know, where we have two or three guys on, on any restrictions and, you know, we have to hold those, those horses in the barn because we're going to need them. So it's, it's a delicate process and it's, it takes some planning from start to finish, but you know, we need to get out of the gate. We need to let these guys pitch, get their pitches up, let them settle into a routine and, uh, and start to manage as the season goes on. Greatest potential. Well, you know, I, th- I think we all saw a glimpse last year of what this guy's capable of doing. He's 22 years old. He's still got a lot to learn, you know, and it's, it's easy when you see him out there to, to forget that side. So he still has to go through, you know, learn about the league, knowing where his adjustments are and taking some, you know, some bumps and some bruises and, and seeing how he reacts to those situations. But, you know, we all <clears throat> looking at what he did last year, we all think he needs to throw more change-ups. You know, it, it's in the world of, of his stuff and how it plays. You know, it's easy to get enamored at somebody that throws 97 to 100 to want to lean on that fastball. But, you know, in reality, he's got one of the best change-ups in baseball making sure he uses that enough. And the, you know, the, the involvement, the, the, the willingness to get his other pitches in the zone, the slider and, and the breaking ball and figuring out when to use those pitches and, and to who you, to use them to. So he's got a lot to learn. I, I look at where Sandy was two years ago and where Lopey was. You know, this guy does some things already that, maybe those other two guys didn't do this guy's a strike thrower so he's just got to figure out the league when they start game planning where his adjustments are going to be and he'll have to go through all that trying to keep him healthy and on the field and you know in turn where he can take the baseball and manage in that part and when Sixto Sanchez does take the mound for the first time in 2021 You'll notice a little something different on his jersey this year. Instead of the number 73 that he wore last year, he's finally wearing the number that he's been wanting to wear for basically his entire life. He's wearing number 45 this year. It's an homage to Pedro Martinez, the National Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher, and Sanchez's idol when he was growing up in the Dominican Republic. Sanchez said that he remembers watching Pedro as as early as 12 years old and just wanting to be like him. The Marlins certainly would hope that he can live up to some sort of that potential. I mean, Pedro, for his career, 219 and 100 record, 293 ERA, 3,154 strikeouts over 18 big league seasons, and eight all-star nominations, as well as winning a World Series with the Red Sox back in 2004. Uh, I got a chance back early on in spring training to talk with Sixto, both specifically about why Pedro became his idol so early and also just a little bit of backstory on how Sixto felt during his 
MLB debut back in 2020. Here's a little bit of that interview. Hey there again, Six. So I just had a couple couple more questions. I want to go a little bit more in depth on. First off, with Pedro Martinez, you mentioned that you were been watching since you were young. Do you remember how old you were when you first watched Pedro play, or your first memory of Pedro Martinez? Específicamente cuando tenía 12 años. Ahí fue que empecé a ver un poco más los juegos y verlo un poco a él tirando a cada equipo. Well, specifically when I was 12 years old, that's when I, I started like watching his games and I actually like see him like every, every star specifically. Yeah, and we all know who Pedro is and what he was able to do during his career. What was it to you that really made you stick to him and want to just keep watching him as as you continue with your career? de cómo trabajaba los bateadores, o sea, de que siempre de juego, de primera línea hasta el noveno, siempre se mantiene enfocado. Uh, we'll say the main thing was his focus. Uh, the way he, he handled every uh, batter, the way he was in charge of the game from the first to the ninth, uh, it, was, it was just full focus from the first inning to the, to the last one. Yeah, and before, I know you talked with him on MLB Network during the season. Did you meet him in person before that point or any time in between your career before you made it to the big leagues? No, I haven't got the chance to meet him in person, but I, I truly have that in mind uh, to get that moment uh, and that honor to, to meet him in person. Yeah. Awesome. And then I just wanted to ask you one quick thing just about your first season in general. I mean, you come in, you make seven starts, you come in during a playoff push. What was that experience like overall to not just make your debut, but to make it in such a meaningful, meaningful fashion for this team? Ahora no es como fue eso eh, de, de hacer tu apertura inaugural, pero también tan, tan importante que era llegar a los playoffs. Me sentí bastante contento de, de poder formar un pitch abridor para poder tirar unos playoffs. ¿Sabes? Cuando me dijeron que tenía que tirar el segundo juego contra los Cubs, ¿sabes? Mi cabeza se puso más en alto y más enfocado. Y yo salí con un objetivo de poder ganar mi juego y gracias a Dios lo pude lograr. Uh, yeah, like like you said, like one of the main thing was just being able to play in the playoffs. I think that was one of the greatest thing. Uh, when I got the, the the call that I was gonna pitch that second game uh, with the Cubbies, uh, I got very excited. My put my head uh, really up high, and uh, I was full of energy, ready to go out there and uh, perform and show everybody what I got. Uh, it was it was a great 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 experience. And then just one quick question about your offseason in the DR. How many bullpens were you able to throw? What specifically were you trying to work on to make sure you were ready to go when you got back into back into the States? Hablando un poquito más específico de lo que hiciste en Dominicana este año, eh, ¿cuántos bullpens lanzaste este, y qué estabas trabajando específicamente para, para ir a donde llegar hasta acá? O sea, específicamente 
tiré cinco bullpenes, ¿sabes? Como te dije, estaba trabajando en mi picheo, localizando mi picheo y trabajando en la reta alta. I threw five bullpens. I was working on my location, you know, for every pitch and then my high pass. Excellent. Thank you so much, Sixto. Gracias. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into some more pitching news and updates. Okay, we're back, everyone. And since we spent the first half diving into Sixo Sanchez, it only feels right to spend the second half just touching on a few of the other pitchers who have been standing out so far in camp. And it feels like if we're going to do this, we're going to have to start with Gio Gonzalez, the highly native who signed a minor league deal with the team a little over a week ago. He's now thrown two live batting practice sessions. He hasn't been hasn't been in a grapefruit league game yet. But the plan is to hopefully get him in there at some point over these final 11 games. Um, his latest BP, live BP on the backfield in Jupiter. Uh, he threw 32 pitches on Monday in essentially what was worth two innings. He had one up down. They're just trying to keep building him up as he can as he starts his progression. His fastball said around 91 miles an hour. At least that's the report that we got, which is good to see considering. You have to go back to, I believe it's the 2016 season to find the last time that his fastball averaged at least 91 miles an hour over the course of a season. So to see it already around that velocity, that's really good. But his breaking balls, the movement and life that he had on those during the live BP where he faced a good amount of prospects of Connor Scott, Eddie Alvarez, Dimitri Sims, and Brian Miller was also among them. They all basically said, yeah, they were having trouble actually finding and locating and being able to keep up with the breaking pitches, which is a good sign for Gio. Now, the main thing is to figure out what his exact role is going to be. And obviously, he's going to start out at the alternate training site, barring something unforeseen over the next two weeks. The Marlins basically have their rotation set between Sandy Alcantara at the one, Pablo Lopez at two, Eliezer at three, Sixto, if he's ready, will be in there as well. And then one of Trevor Rogers or Nick Neidert. And just based off of reading the tea leaves of how pitchers have been getting their innings, Trevor Rogers has started all three of his times going out there, including he's going to be out there again Tuesday night. And Nick Neidert has made four appearances, all of them coming out of the bullpen. Now, I get it. The Marlins are in a number crunch when it comes to innings, just with the fact of, Every fifth day is an off day with this pod format of the spring training schedule and the fact that 
Sandy, six, Sandy, Pablo, and Eliezer are now up to the point where they're throwing five and six innings. It just it leaves a very tight window to get everybody in. But as of right now, it feels like it's Trevor Rogers' job to lose for the final spot. And as another reminder, like we mentioned last week, the Marlins have off days on the third day of, of the regular on the fourth day of the regular season and on the ninth day of the regular season. Which basically means that number four spot in the rotation could easily have just basically not be there the first the first two cycles. You can just use those as off days and just run with a four man rotation and then bring in Sixto or bring in whoever you need for that fifth spot once you get into the third turn. And before we wrap up with Gio, let's hear from Gio Gonzalez himself. He spoke to the media last week after his first live batting practice session and over the course of the 20-some-odd minutes we got to talk with him, he just was beaming with excitement and just joy of finally being part of his hometown team, a dream of his, basically since he was pitching back here at Hialeah High in Monsignor Pace, and then as he maneuvered through his MLB career that's now on year 13. So here are a few sound bites from that interview with him and just what he hopes he can bring to the club throughout this season. Uh, it, 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 as soon as it signed, it really hit me. It was just more like, uh, you know, being, being to represent that and, and being from Hialeah, Florida. I think that, you know, representing the Martins was always, you know, any kid's dream to be from South Florida and, and, and to finally get a chance and an opportunity to, you know, put on this uniform and, and, um, you find whatever you can in that tank to go out there and make sure you can pitch for them. You know, that's, that's, that's any kid's dream that grew up in South Florida and, you know, grew up watching the Marlins. I, I mean, I, I have to say I've been fortunate in my career to see some some pretty damn talented arms. And, and then, you know, to look at it now, it's still some pretty damn talented arms. You know, all these guys have such up potential and bright futures. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of those things that you can't miss a show. You know, one of these guys are going to probably throw a no-hitter, you know, perfect game. They have the capability of of doing that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and I think that our bullpen, too, has that capability of kind of keeping it, you know, in those games that we need. But as far as looking at the stars, for, uh, you know, you got to give credit to their captain. You know, I think Pablo is the, the bread and butter. He's the, the horse of this rotation. You know, you give him his place in, in this rotation as the captain. So for me, it's just uh, you follow the lead. You give him, you know, you give him as much advice as possible. And you let them go and do their thing. You know, at the end of the day, they got here and they've been showing their stuff off and we know what they can do. You know, you just don't want to be interfering with any of their, their process unless they, they ask for a little help here and there. But, you know, I think Mel's going to do a great job by kind of, you know, taking the bull by the horns and letting these guys do their job. I, for me, it's just bring some good positive vibes in the clubhouse, let the guys have some fun. You know, and go out there and win games as much as possible. You know, keep us as much in the game as possible. If I, you know, obviously I have to do my part, you know, but uh, again, I, I want to do everything I can to, to help out. I, I, I don't think it was more the other way around. I don't think Miami was calling. What Miami was doing was just, you know, checking in and seeing how I was doing. If I was, you know, either at home kicking my feet up or was I working and doing my job, you know. And luckily I had... Uh, a great group of people and, and, you know, Pinecrest therapy with Ron who has worked with the Martins in the past and, 
and um, and his staff, Richie, Maddie, Hannah, you know, Gabriel, all these people that were just constantly working on my shoulder, getting me right. Uh, some of the young guys that were catching bullpens from other organizations too. So I, I had some kind of tryouts and I just wanted to show teams that I was healthy and I could do my job. But, you know, I, you know, if I'm being biased by saying I really wanted the Marlins to come <laughs> right away, but better late than never. And I'm, it's better than sitting at home with my feet up and, and just expecting a job. I, I, I'm happy the Marlins gave me an opportunity and, you know, it, it, I, I'm happy I convinced them and changed their mind to kind of bring me along to see how, how it works out. And now to jump into a few of the relievers, one guy who's really caught my eye just a lot more than I thought he would this early on, uh, Zach Pop. He's a 24-year-old righty. The Marlins got him. They traded for him after the Rule 5 draft. He does have the Rule 5 restrictions, which means he has to be on the active roster and stay on the fourth. Stay on the 40 men, stay on the active roster for the entirety of the year, or they have to send him back. But as of right now, he's made two relief appearances. They were his first appearances in live games in just about two years after having Tommy John surgery in 2019. The kid looks good. His He has a two-seam fastball slider combo. His two-seamer hits 97 and has a lot of movement with it. His uh, slider has a lot of swing and miss potential. It sits around the mid-80s. Had a really good strikeout with it on Monday against the Astros. And early on, the Marlins are going to use him in lower leverage situations just to ease him in, get him comfortable, figure out ways to just get his confidence up, especially since he's making the jump from last playing in A two years ago to now having to be on the big league roster. So they'll ease him in. But he has the potential and the tools to become a back-of-the-end bullpen guy and potentially be a homegrown closer for this team. And on the topic of Rule 5, guys, the Marlins do have another Rule 5 player in camp in pitcher Paul Campbell. He's sort of a tweener, kind of a right-handed version of Daniel Castano, where he could be a spot starter or he could be a long-relief guy out of the bullpen. But he has yet to pitch in a Grapefruit League game. He missed a few days of spring training. He left camp for personal reasons. He returned over the weekend. Uh, it's something we're going to have to monitor because, again, he either has to be on the roster or he has to be on the injured list or they had to send him back to the Tampa Bay Rays, which is who they claimed him from in the Rule 5 draft. Um, moving on to a couple other guys. Anthony Bass, who Marlon signed to a two-year deal this offseason, the first multi-year free agent deal under the Derek Jeter ownership, Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman ownership group. And if I were having to make the decision and it was having to make it today, Anthony Bass is the closer of this team to begin the 2021 season. There just, it feels like there's no way around it. He's looked really solid so far in camp. Five, five appearances, five scoreless innings. Uh, I think it's right. Three hits, two walks so far throughout those five innings. And, he just looks like he's ready to go. He's that veteran presence who is one of the few guys who actually has legitimate closer experience. Now, the Marlins also have Yimmy Garcia back there, and it feels like Yimmy's going to be that setup guy, that eighth inning type role that he had last year. And if that's the case, if you have Yimmy at eight and Bass as your nine, that's a pretty solid one-two punch there to close out, to finish out games. And... In the seventh inning, 
It's looking like it's going to be Dylan Floro. Now, he made his Grapefruit League debut on Monday as well, just like Sixto. Uh, Floro was dealing with unspecified soreness early in camp. He never had to stop his throwing program, but he was brought on a little bit slower, which makes it a little bit tougher to get a read on him. He says he'll be ready for opening day, which for pitchers, who, for relievers who are one-inning guys, he probably only needs one or two more outings in there to show that he's ready to go. Uh, he showed the main reason the Marlins signed him. He throws strikes. He only needed seven pitches to get three outs in the sixth inning on Monday. His fastball sat 90-92, to 92, which is just a tick below where he's been sitting the last couple of years. But again, it was his first outing, so he's probably going to be able to build that velo up without a problem. His slider and his changeover were both in the low to mid-80s. And again, he's likely going to be in that seventh inning role, the beginning of the bridge to the closer that Brad Boxberger held in the 2020 season. And then the other important part to look at with this bullpen is the Marlins likely aren't going to carry a tried and true long reliever unless Paul Campbell is ready to go and he basically takes on that role. Because the Marlins are, again, with them being cautious with their starters like they are, it's tough for them to justify putting, say, a Dan Castano or a Nick Neidert in the bullpen to eat up three innings at here, two innings there, two and a third innings there, when they're eventually going to need them to make spot starts and be part of the rotation in spurts to make sure that everybody is available for a potential playoff push should they be in the hunt once we get into the second half of the season. So with that, you're going to have to look at guys like John Curtis, Ross Detweiler, who have had experience throwing multiple innings out of the bullpen as sort of basically bouncing back and forth between those roles as the season goes on and finding ways to basically piecemeal those type of situations when the Marlins are in them. Detweiler is a former starter. The Marlins want to use him exclusively out of the pen. Uh, John Curtis, when he was with the Rays last year, they used him basically in every which way possible. He was an opener, he was a multi-inning guy, he was a closer, he was a middle-innings guy. So Curtis can fill the role, Detweiler can fill the role, and it helps it once a lefty, once a righty, so you have the two. Uh, Richard Blyer has shown that he can throw multiple innings. James Hoyt has done a couple things where he's done where he's gone out for spring training outings and he's had to get four or five outs, which is a contrast to what we saw from him last year when he was primarily brought in for those bases loaded or two on with two out situations and had to get out of jams. But it'll be interesting to watch these final spots in the bullpen and something to consider with these guys. With the exception of, I believe it's uh, Yimmy Garcia, Anthony Bass, and Ross Detweiler, and the two row five guys who you can't option. Everybody else has at least one minor league option left. So there's a chance you could see someone like a James Hoyt start off at the alternate training site and then be rotated in and out when they need to get fresh arms in there. It's a moving puzzle at this point. There are a lot of ways that the Marlins can fill the needs. They could also go with 14 pitchers for their 26-man roster. And if you go with only four pitchers in the starting rotation beginning of the year, that gives you 10 guys in the pen. So... Don Mattingly and Kim Ang, they have a lot of ways to sort of juggle all of this, and they do have about two more weeks before 
They have to finalize everything before opening day begins on April 1st. And on that note, that's going to conclude this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again for tuning in, everyone. And we will be back once again next week.